Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. Welcome into the No Off Days podcast. Scott Smith, Chris Cato, and here we are in the last week of October. So, I mean, we got, of course, baseball playoffs. We're in the, the, the crunch of things with college football and NFL. But I, as I re- affectionately refer to this time of year, this is the start of candy season. This is candy season. The great thing about it, it transitions right into pie season. Well, I look at it as all one and the same. So Halloween kind of kicks it off with candy. And then before you know it, it's Thanksgiving. And then we turn into more sweet baked goods. And then you, you cap the year off with a combination of candy and sweet baked goods with Christmas. So it's yeah. the start of candy season. Calories don't count from this point forward. No which, carbs. Which is why here on set with us, it looks like we have a nice display of candy. Could you care to to tell the good folks at home what we're looking at. Many centuries ago, the pilgrims landed and they gave to the Native Americans a, a cornucopia of bad candy. And that's what, we, that's what we have here today. Now, we were looking at some of the least popular Halloween candies. Okay. You know, these lists come out every year. And so yeah. we wanted a definitive list. And Brian King's going to present that to us later. But I went uh, shopping at the Dollar Tree and boy, I got some winners. We got some uh, circus peanuts. Oh, yeah. They, they, they feel super rock hard. Yes. I think they're Expiration date was 40 years ago. They We've came got off uh, the uh, the manufacturer line before we got, both we got, of us were born. We got the good and plenty. Uh, it's okay. in the licorice family. I'm told. I've never had that. Uh, we actually have black licorice, and so uh, and the bit o honey. Have you heard of bit o honey? Scott? I have heard of bit o honey. And former Bucks head coach Dirk Cutter. That is his favorite candy. Bit o honey. Oh so. well, he would make the top 10 least favorite coaches candies lists yeah yeah uh, so. absolutely so there's a lot of bad candy to look forward to in this program uh let's uh let's slip inside the the uh the old halloween crypt with our crypt keeper <laughs> that would be brian king producer bk brian i know as as we look at uh, halloween i mean you're the father of two two girls that uh, they're probably too old do they do they dress up anymore is that are those, those days, days are gone. Oh, oh man those days have gone no candy sadly. for you then you don't get the dad tax <laughs> no daddy tax anymore but i did take <laughs> advantage of it through the years yeah absolutely well you know in addition to uh bad candy i know that we're going to be talking about uh some other halloween um themed topics today right yeah how about costumes bad costumes sure. maybe good costumes what do you think the most popular costume this year Across the United States is the most popular. It have yeah, to be like a theme kind of thing. Oh, is this for kids or anyone? I think it's for kids. Oh, a theme. I'm gonna say ghost for 35 years running, just a bed sheet over your head. No, mm, I'm no. gonna say Vladimir Zelensky. I'm gonna see a lot of little <laughs> Zelenskys running around. <laughs> um, Very close. Very close. Is it? Oh, is it? No, okay. it's a cat. Okay. Oh, a, a cat, cat is bad. Yeah. That's a theme. Yeah. A cat. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of actually lame when you look at this limb up in Florida. What is their most popular costume, if you had to guess? Uh, an alligator. Tom Brady. Tom like, Brady, exactly. Is yeah. it Tom? Is it no, really? it's not Tom. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, um, well, we are, we're in the Disney capital there of, you go. of You're the close. world, except for maybe California. Okay. So this would be something like some princess or something. Uh, uh, Snow White. It's not Snow White. It's Encanto, I guess. Again, oh, my okay. daughters have owned past Disney yeah, princesses and stuff. One. All right. I don't know if she's a princess or just like a really gifted singer. Okay. We'll have to dive into that. But All right. 
Interesting though, no superheroes. Of all these states' favorites, there's no superheroes. I no think Batman, that's a, that no says a lot about the state of our country. Right? I think so we need, too. It's a shame. We need more superheroes. It is a shame. No Captain America, no superhero, no Spider-Man. Come on, Spider-Man's everywhere. Yeah, the spider hey, I got a couple other costumes that are pretty popular. Chris, oh, yeah. go ahead and roll that video. Who, who's that? Coming right there. <laughs> oh, you have been in touch. You've been in touch with my mom, clearly. <laughs> that linoleum floor goes back. Oh, it's still the, there. The, the, the linoleum floor is, my is still right there. Now. Wait, which one are you, Chris? I am the head. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's my my brother. Oh, man. My brother is Jason, obviously. Yeah, yeah, uh, clearly. So what are, you, are you Humpty Dumpty? I don't what? know. I don't remember what I was. I, I asked my mom for Halloween photos, and she said, "I'm sorry." I didn't really document Halloween very well. I feel like I was, um, so the guy was missing some teeth. Uh, okay. I think so maybe like he, he had a lazy eye. I I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I was going. I don't remember what, the, maybe this yeah. is a, I know this is a head that my brother cut off with his chainsaw. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that was. Well, I love the top hat too. Could, could you see through that yes, top hat? Yes, could you see? I think, I hope it's so. An old gar it's like an old uh, grocery bag. It's, that's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, in my household, it was pretty much the same. You, you just, no, we, I don't know that we ever bought a Halloween costume. It was only what we had around the house. So and yeah, you ever create... put a big pillow on your body Didn't like I did? Didn't do that one, although I am a little jealous. I have a little Halloween costume envy, yeah, for well, sure. Well, funny you should say that. Go ahead and roll this one. Mm -hmm. and, and that is our young Scott Smith right yeah, there. Yeah, buddy. The clown, you're That's the clown. The, he's the clown. <laughs> <laughs> The clown is my my little brother Gabe, and uh, I would be. Uh, I think it was Will Clark, probably. Oh, we got oh. another one. That was Groucho Marx. So me oh, and my dad there. So I take that back. We did. I, I did have actually have a Groucho Marx mustache, um, you know, mustache and eyebrow. I, yeah, this is oh, a. I love this. I <laughs> yeah. Love, wow. Okay, so uh, we went as uh, I think they're Golden Girls. I'm not sure. We older. I'm on the left there. Me and my brother Gabe. Gabe was tortured a lot. He just kind of. <laughs> Yeah, but he's his, he's striking quite the pose as we well, both. Well, you are, are so. too. I, I got to say, the lips are uh, very, very good job on the lipstick there. Eh, probably uh, my older sister's dresses. That uh, yeah, started, there you go. So you know, elderly ladies uh, was the costume that year. So you started putting on makeup many years ago. Didn't it, you? Yes, at this point, I'm you know, well versed. You, so and the hair's starting to turn gray too. So I'm going to turn into that. Your costumes. Are, I love the Groucho. Was that your first cigar with your dad? We all remember our first <laughs> cigar with our dad. Absolutely. Yeah, he got me started real, real young. You got to start him young. I know. Those are the kind of costumes, Brian, that you get this kind of candy for. That's you can only expect. Yeah, that uh, costume is so awful. <laughs> you get circus peanuts for that. Well, of course, if you're listening to the show, you're gonna want to tune in and watch because the the pictures are like all the description that we said. So we have uh, Halloween costumes. What about uh, as far as guests? We've got a great show coming up. Todd Callis will join us. He is currently the Astros, Houston Astros, play-by-play -play television guy. They got the World Series coming up with the Philadelphia Phillies, which his father used to be the main broadcaster for, so that's an interesting tie there. We also got Tristan Wirfs coming up, Bucks tackle. We'll get his thoughts on what it's like with the offensive line this year when the Bucks struggle. Oh, yeah. Very good. All right, thank you, BK. As mentioned, okay. if you want to actually see some of the images that we are both, uh, we are all laughing about, of course, you can... Watch the NodPod by going to fox13news.com slash NodPod. If, if you're watching, you want to listen, you want to subscribe, all you got to do is point the camera at the smartphone, QR code right there on the screen. It'll take you to the metropolis of Nod, and uh, you, can, you can click the Listen tab, and then uh, all shows are on that page. So take a moment and uh, marinate in the NodPod juices. So you can listen to us, and you yeah. can watch us. 
on YouTube, right? Yeah. And you can also watch a condensed version of the show Sunday nights in that popular midnight time slot on Fox It 13. is, and it's becoming more popular as we speak. All right, let's jump into things, our hot topics of the day. And, uh, you know, big question here. What is tradition worth? We, we talk about tradition for Halloween and dressing up and getting bad candy. Uh, but in college football, it, it is all about tradition. And we're starting to see, Chris, some of these... Uh, the, the parts of college football, the pageantry, the stuff that we that is maybe a little bit more nostalgic for us going away. And uh, we point to the University of Florida and Georgia series, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And this last week, Kirby Smart saying, you know what, I'm losing a recruiting opportunity here because games that are played at neutral sites, you can't host a traditional recruiting visit. So you can leave tickets for a potential recruit, but but you cannot host them at a neutral site game. This is the same for the Red River rivalry. You can't entertain them, take them around town, do talk Ex- to them really. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so Kirby's kind of pushing for maybe to switch this to a home and home. And as a as a college football purist, I'm curious about your thoughts. And it sounded like Billy Napier of Florida kind of agreed with it, or kind of got where he was. It sounds coming like from, he right? towed yeah. the line. He was yeah. playing it safe on both sides. Well, I love the. I don't even think they ruined it for me when they stopped calling it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Right? That they told us right. we couldn't. Yeah, I know. We'll always call it that. Uh, that and to me, the Red River rivalry which used to be called something else. Shootout. Too. It was the shootout. At, the at the Red Texas River State shootout. Fair, those are two, those are really the two only neutral site games I like. I don't enjoy the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic and all of that at the start of the year. I think college football is best on a campus. That's what makes college football special is that atmosphere, that environment. Fans from the visiting team get to travel and visit a different stadium, a different part of the country before. But those two, Cocktail Party, we'll call it, and Red River, are just special because they've been that way for so long and you have just the scene with the stadiums that are split down the middle with the colors of one team on one side the colors of the other team on the other side and so yeah i would not like to see that go away for georgia florida either it's just such a wonderful thing for the city of jacksonville too and it's been played in jacksonville for almost 90 years it is a holiday in in jacksonville when the uh the Cocktail party, the Florida-Georgia game. Okay. Uh, in the NFL world, of course, uh, the Bucks struggling, but uh, one of the stories that came out after the, the tough loss last week was Mike Evans and some video that was captured in the tunnel of him looking like he's signing something and giving it to the officials. Now, we have since learned that this was not an autograph, though it, it did look that way. Two officials came up to him and they you know, gave him a piece of paper. He stopped, signed something, gave it back to him. But he has now since said that that was actually he was passing along his, his phone number or reports are that he passed along his phone number because he's trying to get a little golf lessons. One of the officials is a Texas A&M Texas alum, A&M a- as is Mike Evans. And and Mike wants to improve his golf. I guess the Bucks are cashed in on the season yeah, right. now and they're already thinking Looking about what they're going to work on in the offseason. Yeah, and Mike right. wants to improve his golf game. So, yeah, that's what they said was happening was that the referee was giving him the number or getting his number to give to a golf pro. Chris, don't ever judge a video uh, at the initial glance. It, it could be something I often do different. that. I usually jump to conclusions. Yeah, well, clearly this is what's happening. He's signing autographs. We have an autograph session here in the tunnel. Uh, have you ever shamelessly, though, sought an autograph from a celebrity um, that you'd care to share a story about? Uh, I do have one. Yeah. Um, Nick Saban. I'm a huge Alabama fan, as we've, just, we've discussed at length on this podcast and show. And so in 2010, he was visiting. I was working in South Carolina at the time. There was a spring football banquet for All-Stars. And so one of the players playing was Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Nick was there to not only talk, but also to recruit Jadavian. That didn't go very well for him. But anyway, so... 
our sports, I was a news reporter. Uh, always want to be a sports guy, as you know. I'm always trying to horn into your always. world. Why so, are you here right now? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, you offered me candy. So um, I went along with the sports guy as, you know, I went in with the media, but I was there as a fanboy. Yeah, and so as they're trying to interview Coach Saban, I'm taking out my uh, portrait of him. And my, the, I had a hat from the national championship. They had just won the 2009 national championship. I had a hat. And I'm as reporters are trying to ask their questions, I'm shoving my stuff in front of right, right, uh, right. I got Christmas gifts that year for my dad. Signed go. hat, a signed portrait, uh, shook his hand. He gave me, you know, it was kind of the wet catfish. He wasn't really into it, but he shook my hand. Yeah, it was no, nice. He wasn't. He wasn't. That, that's, you know, it's not, uh, it's really not appropriate. But you did it. I and did it. Now it paid you're probably, off. You're probably not ashamed of it. At this I got point. into my father's uh, will, my mom and dad's will, by getting them that autograph. Yeah. So it works. I did something similar, and it was when I got started uh, in this business. And again, you know, cover sports, you're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. But I had an opportunity to meet a, a childhood idol of mine. That would be one Barry Sanders. He was opening up a uh, bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was working in Tulsa at the time. And, you know, I don't know how he got into the banking business, but I, I went to go cover it, and I brought my giant – it was back in the digital phone – digital camera days when it was the size of about a shoebox and I had it lodged in my pocket I pulled it out and I was going to have him take a picture of me and funny enough there was another sports guy there and he was also a Barry Sanders fan and when he found out that I was taking a picture he pulled out a giant plaque of Barry Sanders out of his backpack and says do you think he'll sign this so you guys were both there with yeah. nefarious yeah. self-serving interest I so love I, it. I do have a picture of Barry and he's not smiling he's not happy about it but uh, I'm certainly happy and <laughs> yeah, the, the still, story is well worth you'll it. always have it all right it is World Series week Chris and uh, as we look ahead to this Astros and Phillies matchup and, and we're going to talk about it in greater detail with Todd Callis here um, you know play-by-play voice of the Houston Astros uh, you know this guy this character Mattress Mac I mean he is uh, he's somewhat notorious he's a furniture slash uh, mattress salesperson in the city of Houston and he does these deals where he's willing to give away you know up to three thousand dollars worth of mattresses should the Astros win the World Series and he kind of offsets his losses by making by a gambling. hefty gamble <laughs> so he makes what 70 if, if the Astros win Mattress Mac Makes seventy-five million dollars. Yeah, about seventy-two point six. Uh, it turns out. So he placed a ten million dollar wager. He broke it up with the into different casinos. But I like the fact that he placed the first four million wager back in May when the odds were ten to one that mm. the Astros would win. He places a four million dollar wager. Then goes back two months later when the Astros it's uh, become a five to one odds uh, and places six more million. So yeah, he's in to several different casinos. Ten million dollars if he wins, which. He's got pretty good odds now. The Astros are favor of minus 180, favored to win. He wins almost 75 million dollars. Yeah, I mean, and you got to think that Houston Astro fans in the Houston area are probably supportive of this little wager. And if they're looking for a, a nice, comfortable new mattress, then now is the perfect time to strike. Right? Well, the once because his deal was this. It was pretty smart too. His thing was if you spend more than three thousand on any of these select mattresses or furniture pieces, uh, you, if the Astros win. Win, you get double your money back. Uh, that was before they made it to the ALCS. Mm. And then after the AL- ALCS, he said, for people who come in after that, you'll get your 3000 back. So not only he could benefit, but all of these people that have bought these 
fancy mattresses. I'd love to talk to someone who has one and find out if yeah. they're worth three grand. Uh, they get their money back and possibly double their money back. The key is a good pillow topper. You can sleep on a cardboard box if, as long as you have a good pillow topper. That's yeah, what I've like that thing I was wearing in my Halloween costume. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that was your rolled that up was, mattress. That was my yeah, mattress mat. I had all my cash stuffed in it, my gambling money. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. He could, uh, he could, he's lost big too before. He's lost big too. He, Lost six million betting on Alabama to beat Georgia last Such season. Such is the so. life of a gambling man. Yeah, but we'll see if he can pull it off. Should be a good series. Well, he is the eye in the sky, the play-by-play announcer for the Houston Astros, a familiar and revered name around these parts. We welcome to the show Todd Callis. Todd, thank you so much. You know, Mattress Mac is in the headlines, <laughs> and uh, we just want to know how firm or soft your mattresses are at home in the Callis household. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got the Mac Daddy. My, my <laughs> wife actually worked the mattress firm for a little while, so that was oh. good. We got the Mac Daddy. We got the Mac Daddy beds in our bedroom, so it's all good. Wow, how do those sleep? <laughs> Oh my gosh! They incline, recline. Yeah, it's all good. Every every once in a while, when she gets me snoring, she'll she'll push the head thing up, and <laughs> apparently I stop. I stop. I have no idea. That sounds amazing. I'm sure you're sleeping yeah. a lot better these days. Uh, <laughs> the team looks unbeatable to this point. Of course, World Series now on the doorstep, and you know, obviously, 18 years here in the Tampa Bay area, and uh, you were part of that inaugural season for the Rays and rode it on through, and then you, you join the Astros, and all they do is win, but now you're you're facing a familiar foe in the Philadelphia Phillies. You grew up in Philly. Your dad, of course, the legendary longtime voice of the Phillies, um, Harry Callis. So I got to think, going into this series, that these, these are kind of like pinch-me moments. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, whenever people ask me who my National League team is, it's been a while since I, I worked for a National League team, but I always say the Phillies just because I grew up in Philadelphia. So if you ask me who I'd like to see in the in the World in the World Series in the Fall Classic, I would say the Phillies. So it'll be great. The the four games here, if it goes that far, and then three games in Philadelphia, uh, we'll be heading up to Philly on Sunday. I'll be catching up with some people I haven't seen in a while, both friends from high school and people that have worked in the organization who are still kind of like part of my family as I pretty much grew up with the Philly. So this will be one of the, the cooler moments for me uh, Four World Series in six years, but this one's definitely going to be special. That's incredible. How much have you thought about your dad this week, knowing that you're going back to Philadelphia and just knowing what he means to that franchise? Yeah, a lot. And the last time I saw a Phillies playoff game was in 2008 games uh, five game five of the World Series at uh, Citizens Bank Park against the Rays obviously and uh, the Rays couldn't win that game and couldn't get it back to Tropicana Field of that day and a half rain delay that was that was cool that we got to share the 2008 World Series together unfortunately he would pass the next year and this will be the first time uh, that I've been back for a postseason game in Philly since 08. Well, you know, Todd, you and your dad both kind of started, I guess, with the Astros. And so there, there are roots there as well. But the similarities, I don't know if it's like serendipitous, if that's the word to put it. But, you know, the Phillies didn't do much winning prior to your dad showing up on the scene. And then you go to Houston and they've been to now four World Series in six years. I guess if a team wants to have a winning product on the field, they should hire a callus. Is that the, the takeaway here? Yeah, let's, let's go with that. Uh, yeah, no, I hey, I got to see the great turnaround with Tampa Bay. That was phenomenal to have those 10 years where they were the Devil Rays and never won more than 70. To do what they've done over the last 15 years has been phenomenal. So I got to see that thing turn around. But since I've been in Houston, you're right, it's been uh, division title after division title, uh, six straight appearances in the American League Championship Series, which is a new record, uh, and now four World Series appearances. So 
we, I've been blessed. I, I jumped in here at the right time. I, I do miss the people in Tampa and I still uh, will consider that one of my homes and, and I will still have a place there. I still go back there a lot in the off season. Uh, so the Tampa Bay community and the Tampa Bay Rays will always have a special place in my heart. But things have been pretty good since I've come here to Houston. Well, while we're on the Rays, let's keep it there for a minute. Uh, you know, you were with the franchise from the beginning, as you mentioned, some of the years of futility there, and then seeing it become a perennial playoff contender now over the last decade or so. Uh, from afar now, though, what's your take on the ownership stadium fiasco? I think they need to find one, and I think they need to find one on the other side of the bridge. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate all the people that live in St. Pete and downtown St. Pete has grown up in leaps and bounds over the last decade or so. Uh, but all the population, as you guys know, is basically on the other side, and it's growing on the other side at a greater rate. So there needs to be a stadium. It needs to be on the Tampa side. This is a community that loves its baseball. The, the Rays are never in the bottom five or ten usually in uh, ratings in the major leagues. They're usually somewhere in the middle of the pack. People just don't show up at Tropicana Field for whatever reason, uh, and we can have a whole other show on that. But the stadium needs to be built, and it needs to be on the Tampa side. Well, you know, the Astros have provided this – I guess it's a model, but, I, I mean, really, they have light, They have lightning in a bottle with the amount of talent and depth that they were able to to grab in the, the lean years with this organization. And now they're they're sitting here um, with a guy like, you know, Jeremy Pena, who's the ALCS MVP in his rookie season, and Altuve is, you know, one of the best players in the game, but he's ice cold right now, and you got to think if he heats up that this is really an unstoppable force – when you look at all the talent across this franchise and what they're able to do and, and, and keep the keep the band together, so to speak, how special is this? Yeah, it's incredible. You don't see a run like this. Like I said, it was unprecedented six straight ALCSs. And the Braves actually got to eight in a row in the National League back in their not, the run mm -hmm. in the 90s. But there was a strike year in there, and, and the first three years, they only had a win in their division to get to the CS. So it was a little bit of a different scenario. But, yeah, six straight uh, years in the CS, incredible. Uh, they're a team that keeps finding players, whether it's Jeremy Pena, they got Yoran Alvarez in a trade, now Hunter Brown comes up this year. Um, they continue to reload, and they're very, very talented again this year. Their pitching staff is dominant. And even though a lot of people uh, love to hate on the Astros based on what happened in 17, you still have a couple of Tampa guys over there on that roster. You've got uh, Kyle Tucker from Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Jesuits' own Lance McCullers Jr. So, some rooting interest for the locals, uh, as long as you can you can stomach cheering for the Astros, which some people in the American League can't <laughs> yeah. be, based how, on their success and and also what happened in seventeen. How is Lance doing, by the way? I know he he had a recent run in with a champagne bottle. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. It was funny watching the celebration in New York because he had this whole sleeve with an elbow guard on, just in case on, <laughs> on his right elbow. Uh, Lance is fine. Uh, it's just a matter of whether he pitches game three or four in the World Series. He, he or Christian Javier, whoever doesn't start game three, will start game four. But Lance will be ready to go. He's been in this moment before. He's done it before. Uh, pitched game seven of the CS and World Series in 2017 and now has a chance to uh, to jump in there. He was on the he started the clincher in the DS, the clincher in the CS, and he'll be a big part of the World Series as well. Yeah, celebrate responsibly, right? Uh, on the other side of the diamond, when you look at this Phillies team and you analyze what they've done, just kind of, you know, uh, 87 wins through the regular season, then they just get in and get hot, and they've kind of got that stink on them now. What is it uh, that you see in this team that could pose some problems for the Astros as you do your pre-World Series uh, analysis, getting ready for your, uh, your series shows? 
Yeah, uh, it's similar to the 2019 season for me with the Washington Nationals, where the Nationals got hot at the right time. And there's a little bit of similarities there where Washington really could have been bounced from that wild card game in 19, uh, losing to Milwaukee until the last inning. Phillies were losing game one of their first series against St. Louis until the very last inning. They rallied to win that. And then they just caught fire. They carried that momentum all the way through. Beating an Atlanta team that, frankly, I thought was the best team in the National mm-hmm. League, even though the Dodgers had a better record, and then going ahead and winning against San Diego in five games. So they've been highly impressive. Unfortunately, the Astros have lost the World Series the last two times they've been in there, both times to National League East teams who have been hot in 19, the Nationals in 21 last year to the Braves. Uh, hopefully they avoid that for a third straight year. The Phillies are on a roll right now, uh, but I still would take my chances with the Houston Astros based on what they've done in the regular season. And even though they've played a lot of close games, how they've rolled through the postseason at 7-0 and so far. Interesting that you say it reminds you of the, the 2019 Nationals team because that was the team that, that did not have Bryce Harper. That was the year he left right. for the <laughs> Phillies, and, and he got the big payday, but then he missed out on, on that after, what, seven years up in, up in the nation's capital. So, but when you see what he's doing now, uh, I mean, that iconic home run to, to win it and to advance uh, to the World Series, but just how his game has come together despite – all the pressure this guy has faced throughout, I mean, from the beginning of his his time in the big leagues, even prior to, that he's kind of reaching this climactic moment in his career, it seems. Yeah, and you wonder, with the spotlight being as bright as it's been on Bryce Harper, maybe brighter than any other player we've ever seen from age, whatever, pre-teen years, all the way through the time he was the number one overall pick, he's always been under spotlight. He's always been the focus of attention. So maybe... You know, the biggest stage doesn't face him as much as other guys, but he's right now as hot as anybody in that lineup, and he'll be a force to reckon with. We saw Jordan Alvarez kind of carry the Astros in the first round of the playoffs. Jordan got cold in that second part uh, in the CS, but he can get hot again in that World Series. If he's going well and Bryce Harper is going well, uh, those are two guys that can carry lineups, but all both those guys have a lot of good weapons around them. Uh, the Phillies have more left-handed sticks than the Astros have seen so far in the playoffs, so that'll be interesting to see. If they add a left-handed reliever, Will Smith, to their postseason roster mm-hmm. for the World Series, but uh, Bryce is a factor. He's a big factor uh, as Bryce goes and as Jordan Alvarez goes. That, that could be a big part of who wins this World Series. I'll tell you what the the, the Astros' starting pitching is. The bullpen's been phenomenal. Uh, I mean, but I, you know, you mentioned Lance McCullers earlier, but presumably it's it's Justin Verlander game one. And, you know, that's how you guys ended the season against this Phillies. It was a little foreshadowing of the World Series matchup. But in that game two of that three-game set, I mean, Verlander was out there, and I think he faced 16 batters, struck out 10 of them. Uh, How dominant is JV right now? Yeah, he's rolling. He's rolling, although he had one bad start in the playoffs, but he's rolling based on what he did at the end of the regular season, had that one bad start against Seattle. Uh, the Phillies had wrapped things up that night before on Monday night at Minute Maid Park. They won uh, the second wild card that night. So they kind of celebrated hard Monday. <laughs> Didn't have all their regulars in the lineup Tuesday. Not to take anything away from JV. When you strike out double-digit strikeouts in five innings yeah. and don't allow a hit, he threw no-hit baseball. You, you've dominated a major league team no matter who's in that lineup. Uh, but he'll see some different faces in that lineup. Verlander's probably doing his work right now, knowing him for the Friday start. He'll get the ball game one. Bromber Valdez will get the ball game two. And as we mentioned, either McCullers or Javier, three, four, one way or the other. So it's a very deep pitching staff. It's the reason why the Astros are where they are now. It's the reason why they won 106 in the regular season and they're 7-0 in the postseason. 
Well, you know, you always look for the intangible at this at this time of the season because both these teams have uh, obviously loaded lineups and and they're both hot because they're here. But it's kind of bizarre when I think of an Astros team that has been to now four World Series in six years, and yet do they possibly have a chip on their shoulder because of the fact that they lost the last two series? I think so, and you know, the, and I think the fact that people talk about seventeen in the way they do, and they don't feel. Uh, legitimize as much as they want to for that first World Series championship. So, yeah, here we are five years later. They didn't win in 19. They didn't win in 21. They are probably – they've taken over from the New York Yankees as the most hated team in baseball, it seems, lately. Uh, so now they want they want to play with that chip on their shoulder, and they want to prove to people, hey, uh, this hasn't been a fluke. We've done this for six years now. And getting that second World Series championship would be big. To get there four times and to only come away with that one – and that one has been discussed very often, it would be a lot better for them to reflect on the 22 season uh, than, than and as their second World Series championship. Well, the, the Phillies fans are notoriously gracious and hospitable. I'm <laughs> right. sure they will yeah. uh, right. greet you with open arms and not remind anyone of 2017 when you're there. I do want to ask one more question as it relates to the Phillies and your father and the World Series. I thought this was really cool. In 2008, you were with the Rays. The Rays played the Phillies. You got to call an inning with your dad in game one of that World Series. Um, I, I got to imagine that was special and weird all at the same time. Uh, had you guys ever done anything like that before? And, and what brought that together? What made that happen? So, yeah, the uniqueness of the fact that here we were father-son on opposite sides of the World Series. We not, we're not sure if it's ever happened before. It may have, but we, nobody's ever notified us about that. So we were on opposite sides. It was a crazy run for the for the Rays. Nobody expected them to be there in 08, obviously. Uh, so it was just a unique opportunity for us to work together. We had done a few spring training games together, and I actually did work three seasons with the Phillies, but I worked on a different network than my dad's. We never worked together in those three years. So yeah, we we had done a couple of spring training games, but never had done a regular season or certainly not a postseason game. So to call uh, an inning with him in World Series game one at Tropicana Field, that was, that was his, the pinnacle of my career. There's nothing that will that'll beat that well who, who did the play-by-play -play and who was colored you guys fight over that or how did that go was dad stepping so all his, over you <laughs> it was his broadcast it was the, it was the uh it was the phillies broadcast at the time so i was just doing color he was calling the game um we were still doing pre and post game shows for the race which i was involved with but we didn't have any role with the game itself so i just filled in on color for an inning with him and again, that was a memory that will last forever. And, and my finest moment, it'll never be top, topped in my broadcast career. That's awesome. Well, a special moment. And uh, for you, the story is uh, still being written from the broadcast booth, looking to bring home another World Series with the Houston Astros. So, uh, you know, best of luck moving forward. Todd Callis, thank you so much for your time. Wait. Wait. We, we got to keep, we got to ask him this in keeping with the theme of our show here. What is your worst or best Halloween costume you had as a kid? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. I'm, you know what, guys? I'm not really a huge Halloween guy. So I probably had terrible costumes growing up. Well, we did too. Did. <laughs> yeah, right. That's probably who didn't like it very much. Okay. Uh, give us your nothing. favorite, give us your favorite candy then. What did you have to have at Halloween? Uh, Heath Bar. Yeah. That's a good one. Toffee. You can't beat that, bar. right? Yeah. Yeah. Chocolate and toffee is a good combo. Can't toffee not good while you're in the broadcast booth, though. Sticky. <laughs> yeah, a little, little yeah, sticky. it's going to be some trouble. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Todd. Got Todd, you. thanks so much for jumping All on right. with us. All right, guys. Thank you, Todd. Callis. Thank you so much. All right.
Well, we are looking forward to the series starting. Uh, games one and two Friday and Saturday this week, and then next week they switch things up. Game three going back home for Todd Callis, uh, the original home that would be Philadelphia. Uh, well, now we switch things up a little bit. Now, this is a hard right turn. We're going from baseball and football and, of course, a big Thursday night game this week for the Bucks taking on the Ravens in his third year. Already one of the best in the league, Chris, at his position. Bucks right tackle Tristan Wirfs joins the program right now. Tristan, thanks for hopping on. Absolutely. I, I mean, you've experienced, uh, you have not experienced yet in the pros uh, a stretch like this. You guys have lost four of the last five games. What do you think the biggest challenge is in terms of the mental side of the game? I know you guys hitting the practice field, working on game plan, getting guys right, getting bodies healthy, but I know that there's a mental toll that going on a rough patch like this takes. So what's the biggest challenge from your perspective? Yeah, I think just not getting too down on ourselves. Um, you know, we're in a hole right now. You know, you can't just keep, you know, you can't keep digging. You can't feel sorry for yourself. Um, you know, so we just got to get out of it. But I, I think um, just staying as positive as we can is going to be going to be huge for everyone's, you know, mental state. You know, they say that sometimes you need the fire to kind of test the metal. Uh, I mean, is that kind of how you look at this portion of the season? It's still, it's still early. You guys are still on top of the NFC South. Um, yeah, you could say that because, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of football left, and I, I hate saying that, but, um, you know, there was a point, I think, my, my rookie year, we lost, you know, three in a row. Um, so it, it, it sucks, you know, it really sucks right now, you know, not, not being able to figure out, you know, what's going wrong. You know, we keep saying the same stuff every week, and, you know, we haven't, you know, come out and, and you know, got anything fixed. So um, it, it can be frustrating, but you know, it's, you're, you're going to have a test, you know, you're going to have um, a mental, you know, test on your, your, your mentals test on, you know, how, how well you can, you can stay in it, keep, keep, you know, on top of your recovery on top of your, you know, your film work and everything and, and, you know, come out the other side on a positive. Tristan, a lot of people have been critical and, you know, possibly rightfully so for the offensive line play lowest rushing output right now in the league, averaging under 64 yards a game. These Buccaneers are, and when you have a, offense that's predicated on play action it's hard to make that work when teams don't believe you can run what are you guys doing now to really solidify that running game and and make because you know no position is more dependent on another than the offensive line how are you guys working as a unit to make this work yeah um you know, I think us five, uh, the, the five stars have just stayed behind, you know, after we're done meeting with the coaches and, and, and watch film on our own, you know, just trying to trying to do the best we can to make sure all five of us are on the same page, you know, meet with the running backs, meet with the tight ends, um, you know, doing our best to, to make sure all of us know, you know, what's going on and, and, and how we can get this, you know, get this thing turned around and, and um, get the ball rolling. Yeah, Tristan, you, I mean, you jumped in as a rookie and you got the opportunity to play. And obviously, you guys won a lot of games together. But, you know, when you look at, at you know, one of your line mates there in Luke Hideki, and he's, he's faced some of the criticism. But, I mean, the, the fact is that he's starting as a rookie. And that's a credit to him uh, in and of itself. But can you, because you've been there in terms of being a rookie, being a first year guy, trying to learn on the fly, can you relate to him in terms of trying to get through this portion of the adversity he's facing? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And me and him have talked quite a bit. You know, just just having conversations about you know about about football and about what's what's going on and how to handle handle things. But um, you know, I think I think Luke's been Luke's been battling. It it can be frustrating. It can be really easy to get down on yourself. I remember my rookie year. You know, in camp going against Shaq and JPP every day. I'd go home and be like, I can't. I'm not cut out for this. You know. Um, 
and you know you can't sit there and, and dwell on stuff you know if something happens you know bad or good there's nothing in the world you know that you can do to get that playback so you got to move move on you know and I, I think he just you know he's, he's so hard on himself and he uh, he cares so much but you know there comes a point you, you gotta just you gotta move on you know there's nothing you can do about it um but no like we've, we've talked just you know I, I know what I know what that's like, you know, putting pressure on yourself, having outside pressure, um, you know, to perform. So it's just, you know, he's been coming in here ball and coming in here, you know, studying his tail off. So um, you know, I'm I'm super proud of him and um, you know, we got a we got a lot of football ahead of us. You know, he's got a lot of football ahead of him as well. So yeah. um excited yeah. for him. Excited for him. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the football that's behind you as, we, as we're kind of going through this uh, struggle the last couple of games. You're probably tired of at answering questions about the Tom Brady pep talk that he gave the offensive line during the Steelers game. How much of that for people that, you know, are on the outside, they look at that as, oh, you know, Brady's blasting his offensive line and look at this. Talk about the dynamic, how you guys process that. You don't see it as a butt chewing, I'm guessing. Yeah, not not really. I mean, he's just trying to rally the boys. You know, it's, we were off to a slow start. Um, you know, he was just trying to get us fired up, and and you know, Hainsey said it. I think I've said it. You know, it's. I don't think any of us took it personal. Um, it's it's more of a, it's like the people on the outside took it like he was yelling at them. You know, um, I don't think any of us really minded. You know, it is what it is. Is there is there um, extra pressure though when it's Brady and you know it's coming from him, or do you guys respond? <laughs> try to respond to that more when it is Tom Brady is there more pressure on hey we you know we obviously no team no offensive line wants to let their quarterback down but when it is Tom Brady do you guys feel extra pressure to do everything perfectly um I mean we're you know we're trying to do our you know we're trying to do our best regardless um but I think maybe like it being Tom I I think my rookie year maybe like my rookie year I just did everything I could not to get yelled at by him um (laughs) But, you know, I mean, I'm probably, probably still that way. But, <laughs> but um, no, I think, I think you know, we want to do our best for, for him, for the team, you know, go out and, and do our best to, to keep him clean, you know, out there and, and do our best to, you know, get the line of scrimmage moving so we can be successful in the run game. Um, but I, I think, you know, it just shows, you know, he cares about us. You know, he wants us to be successful as well. You know, I think – and as an offensive line, everything usually starts with us up front. So if we're rolling, you know, then the team's rolling. So – but I think it's just, you know, I don't know if there's any like added pressure, um, but it might be a little more scary when you're a young guy coming from him. Well, his uh, his competitiveness is, of course, legendary, and the intensity is uh, hotter than the heat of a thousand suns, right? So mm-hmm. when you first when you first witness that in level of intensity up close and personal, maybe as your rookie year kicks off, uh, was that did that kind of <laughs> wake you up a little bit? Oh, well, this guy's operating on a different planet. Yeah, I think it was like uh, it might have been the Bears game. I think there's a clip of that too. Him yelling at us during the Bears game my rookie year, and I was like, I was like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's like I said, it's nothing personal. He's just trying to get you going and and you know get us fired up. So um, you know, so we can go out there and and play with confidence and and, and play fast. Um, but no, it's it's not as serious as what everyone's making it out to be. <laughs> it's it's not and you know it's funny though you at the same time you hear about 
this intensity and we see his intensity, yet there's still speculation. I'm hearing it today from other talking heads in the sports media that Brady has some kind of lack of commitment this season and that lack of commitment is bleeding over into the overall team's play. How do you answer that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that blows my mind. Um, Because I think one, you know, for him to make the decision to come back and play, you know, at at 45 years old, you know, you got to be, you got to be fairly committed. You know, I mean, he 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 takes a lot of pride in taking care of his body, and I feel like, you know, if if he weren't committed, then you you know, he'd be damn near falling apart. Um, yeah. But, you know, it sucks because everyone, all everybody sees is Sundays. You know, they're not here in the building with us. You know, they're not seeing you know pulling up the building and seeing Tom's car already here. You know, um, you know he's the first one here. Or, and you know the 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 effort that he puts in in the building and 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 the effort he puts in with us so they just see the product on sunday but you know they don't see all the behind the scenes so you know it it frustrates me because you know i i care for tom a lot and you know um it sucks you know you can't you know i can protect him on the field but i can't you know protect him from everything that's said outside so you know it sucks yeah when you when when he was drafted you were one years old and I know we've asked a lot of age questions, and Tom is uh, – he, he doesn't – age is one of those things that can't wrestle Tom down. So we, we know this. But uh, do you do you sense that any any difference in in age when you're out there on the field? I mean, like is there – are there cultural reference points where you're like, oh, like it hits you all of a sudden, Tom's 45 and he's a lot older than me? Um, I think <laughs> – some of the jokes he makes are just like, like just dad jokes. And I don't know. I think, oh, I think the music he listened, I said something once and I was like, oh, my mom loves this song or something like that. Uh, my mom's like, my oh mom's no. like two years older than him. So, oh no, that's great. I don't know. It's, it's funny. He just, he's just goofy. <laughs> well, when you were one years old, I mean, you were probably the size of, of an NFL player already at that point. <laughs> Some of the some of the stories about I, I read something where your mom, uh, even when you were very young, you were still in diapers that she would kind of get these scowls, these looks from people that are like that. That child is too big, too old to be wearing diapers. But you were just always a big, always a big kid where you were wearing adult shoes when you were in elementary school. Yeah, she had to carry my birth certificate around like for travel baseball. And stuff uh, the kids. Yeah. I couldn't believe I was like, you know, I was, hit, I was hitting their son, you know, 300, you know. 300 feet over left field, you know, or whatever, but trust me, I'd want to see a birth certificate too, if I was opposing you. Well, Hey, hey, while while we're on uh, childhood, Tristan, uh, keeping with our theme in this show today, any, um, any great Halloween costumes when you were uh, a young man or any really horrible Halloween costumes? Uh, We just had this, uh, like our coming off the field, there's like a whiteboard. question. We just had this best Halloween costume. I used to be, I think I was Frankenstein like four years in a row. Like these stick on bolts. You were and... just owning the monster image, right? Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Like I loved being Frankenstein, but I, I, I think my mom has a picture of it um, somewhere. But I'd love was, to see that. That was, that was the best. You Be know, better than the pictures that Scott showed us earlier of right. his Halloween costumes. Yeah. Well, you know, if it's something works, you got to stick yeah. with it, right? <laughs> hey, yeah, is, yeah. JP, is JPP a big talker? 
Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that yeah, this week or on Thursday. So there's going to be a lot of – he's going to be talking a lot of smack. I know that. Well, we certainly appreciate your time, Tristan. And if, you know, you're from your viral moment of jumping out of a pool. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of a lot do of you shins. still get – when you go to a pool party, do people beg yeah, right. you to do party tricks? <laughs> do they ask you to go, you know, fully into the pool and leap out full body <laughs> like you did in that famous viral video? Oh, yeah. I'm at the grocery store and people ask me <laughs> if, I can, if I can do it. Um, no, everybody loves that video. So it's, you know, I didn't think it like t- back in college when when we first did it, I did not think it was going to blow up the way it did. I just, you know, we were just having a good time. And but no, it's yeah, that's that's funny. That's can you hilarious. still do it? Could you still do it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a lot of Tristan Wirf's wannabes have scraped up some shins in the process of that. But anyway, my point <laughs> is, from that moment till now, I mean, you are on a legendary path, my friend. Thank you so much yes. for joining us on the show. Best of luck on Thursday and uh, and turning this thing around. You're awesome. Thank, Thank you, you, Tristan. Tristan Thank Wirfs. You. Much thanks to uh, Tristan Wirfs. And, you know, uh, a guy that uh, takes a lot of care of his body, he would never put garbage in. But we're about to put some garbage in, Chris Cato. We yes. have, uh, this is the moment that we've all been waiting for. What you have led the show off with, bad candy yeah. that we are going to be forced to now consume. We felt this was our duty to the American public because, oh. you know, these lists come out every year. This is the least popular candy. Well, we said we wanted a superhero, and maybe you're going to be a superhero for somebody today. Maybe my stomach is it. But, you know, what we want to set straight is, is this candy really bad? Is it bad? Like, you know, okay. are people just, oh, we like to be divisive about candy corn, but you haven't actually tried candy corn in 25 years maybe give it a shot maybe it's delicious so we're going to get into this now i think brian has the list right yeah bk hop back in here let's see do you have the list with you i do have the list bad candy bad candy and some of these i actually like so we'll start off with number 10 good and plenty good and plenty all right you know what those are these are these we we got it and you have some back in the uh, i do y'all brought me a we brought you a little Feeding. sample, a little platter in there. Platter. And this is the first time I've had good and good and good and plenty. They're actually not bad. Yeah. And they're almost a little bit like Ike and Mike's, except they're they're licorice. The they question look, is, is which one is the good and which one is the plenty? Oh, oops, those were the plenty. Yeah. <laughs> they're gone. These look like Benadryl, the pink ones. I know, that's what's kind of scary, mm. isn't it? It's black licorice. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's not good. This is not good. Yeah. It is plenty, but it's not good. And we also have black licorice on this list, I believe, because I'm black staring li- at Black licorice was number nine. <laughs> Next number up nine. on the list. So do we have to eat the black licorice? <laughs> I guess we do. This is uh, my bad idea. Okay. There we go. All right. You know, I believe black licorice was the first candy. Was that the first candy? It's been around quite a bit. Yeah. Hmm. And I will say, I don't know, I've never had black licorice since I was a kid. But it tastes a little bit better yeah, it than tastes when I was like, a kid. It, it kind of looks like those things you, you put in your tire to fix a flat. <laughs> yeah, well, a plug. Yes. yeah, it's probably plugging plug, yeah. parts of your Maybe body that's now. that's what this is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it also has the texture. <laughs> that, has, um, it has the texture of a Twizzler. I'm plugged up. It's better Ooh. than the Good and Plenty. I'll Boy, say that. It, it is better than the Good and Plenty. Even though they're both, they're both black liquor. So this actually should be number nine on the list, and this should be ten. They got it right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Number eight, Tootsie Rolls. Do not agree with this. Let me see that Tootsie Roll. Well, there. To the left. <laughs> yeah. To the right. All right. Okay. So Everybody right. knows the Tootsie Roll, right? We know what a yeah. Tootsie Roll tastes like, though. I mean, how are these on this list? Tootsie Roll are not controversial. I know. Well, they're, they're, but they're not good. Or plenty. But what? What? Yeah. What is a Tootsie Roll? Is it supposed to be chocolate? Is it mm-hmm. supposed to be like chocolate taffy? All I know is that if Tootsie Roll is in my Halloween bag, it, it will be the last thing the that la- gets consumed. It's the last thing. Definitely. It's too chewy. Way too chewy. Brian, you like them? 
No, no, he's kind of a Tootsie no, Roll guy. I, kind of like him. I knew he was a Tootsie Roll guy. I should have brought a napkin to spit this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Number seven, Mary Janes, which I guess were like bitten honey. We don't have Mary Janes, so we're going to eat the bitto honey. Bitto honey. Oh, really? It's the same thing, though? I would. I thought, yeah. Well, oh, give me a let me, let me try. <laughs> Let's try that again. All right, bitto honey. These are the like number seven on the worst candy, but probably number one on the dentist favorite. It's candy funny, because... all these have the same texture. They're chewy and and very bendy, and probably could have been made a hundred years ago, and would taste no different than they do now. Exactly. Probably not. Why does a bit of honey taste like black licorice? <laughs> Maybe make as I said, black licorice. We should have brought a palate cleanser out here. Yeah. A Reese's palate cleanser. Okay. So far, bit of honey is the best of the bunch. Right. I don't, I don't think so. Because uh, it's kind of like um, it's car- caramely. Oh, it's it's uh, up in my teeth, up in my molars. Okay. That's the thing. It's going to mm-hmm. pull out dental work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, Smarties. Yeah. Down is the four, is number four last year, so now it's becoming more popular, I guess. Smarties, I number six. My bank, when I was a kid, you know, you put your money in the tube, and the magical tube sucks up your money yeah. to the bank, and my tube at my bank would always send Smarties back. Wasn't that oh, nice, nice of it? You know, nice. there's a world of difference between a sweet tart and a smarty. Mm-hmm. And sweet tart, I would put, it's a good candy. Yeah. Well, it's a quality candy. Smarties, awful. Awful? Yeah. Really? I like yeah. Smarties. It's not the, no. Not, and not and you know what? Smarties, if you just crushed them up, it's a pixie stick. Which are also good. Very good. I don't know why I don't like, maybe it's I don't like the wrapping. It, it brings back bad memories. <laughs> Cellophane. art. <laughs> yeah, I like Smarties. I don't know why they're on that list. People are dumb if they don't like Smarties. So far, I'm, I'm in line with everything that we've seen here. So far, Smarties number one. Number five on this list, something I hadn't had since I was probably five years old, wax Coke bottles. We you don't have me? those. No. Those are no. nothing but a... Was it real wax? It was. Yeah, it was a wax bottle about this big, and you bit into it. And then it was like a couple drops of sugar water. Oh, sugar water. That was intriguing. It. Yeah, well, it was I'm so sorry. Much I'm sorry. Just to, to get the uh, the sugar water out, and you. I'm sorry, I didn't find those. Dollar Tree failed me on the wax Coke bottles. They may not be in circulation. Anymore. Yeah, they shouldn't be. Probably. Right. Number four, Necco wafers. We got the there Neckos. we go. Yeah. Uh, otherwise known as the uh, roof to every gingerbread house that uh, oh, yeah, that's where I've seen them. Okay, there, there you go. Have yourself a Necco wafer. All right. You know, Necco is the company that makes the. I've oh ne- my gosh! I've ne- I think I did just crack the crown. I've never had these before either. Necco is the company that makes the little hearts at Valentine's that have the phrases on them. So yeah. I, I imagine these are going to taste same, just like that. Same exact. Yep. Yeah. No, those are Not chalky. A fan. Chalky. Yeah. Kind of tastes like mm. um, toothpaste a little bit. Mm-hmm. Has like a clove flavor. A to toothpaste it. that causes cavities. That's mm-hmm. what this is. Yeah, it's a reverse toothpaste. It's, it's perfect. They say you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, but I think Necco you has to You can make square that. discs out of it. Yeah, don't like the Necco wafer. All right, dig All right. into that bag of candy. What do you got? Top there? three now. Top, Top three. three worst candies. Here we go. These aren't the ones that I thought of. Peanut butter kisses. I think Kato bought the wrong ones. Yeah, I did. That, the that, ones that came in the orange and black wax yeah. paper. I yeah, Never those those eaten. really are bad. I had a relative that always gave those out. We avoided her house like the plague. Yeah, those are the ones that stayed in the bottom of the bag. We're eating these. Um, these are caramel chews, right? Okay. <laughs> these are good. Yeah, I like these. This is three. This is number three, third worst candy, according to this survey. Wow, I'm kind of having a nostalgic moment right now. I don't know what that, I'm having like a recall moment when you taste something that you haven't had in a long time. That's what it was with the licorice. Yeah. yeah. It just tastes like a cream-filled donut. Mmm, maybe that's it. Yeah, that's I what I eat it a is. cream-filled donut every day. That's how I start This mine. is great. This should be on no one, well, this should be on the top candy list. Yeah. No, that's wow, good. Whatever this is called. Okay, top two. Okay. Top two. 
This was down from number one, worst candy last year, candy corn. Mmm. I'm gonna go pumpkin. So you have the uh, harvest mix. This is the autumn harvest. It's kind of hard to find, so you can thank me later. But there yeah, you, go, you get on not only your classic corn shape, you get the pumpkin, which is just a much bigger version yeah. of the corn. Much more sugar packed in there. Yeah, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I here's the thing with candy corn, that you can eat them like it's an addictive type of impulse, mm-hmm. but it does not taste good. It's like sugary um, wall spackle. Right. Well, I think it's good in moderation, right? So I could eat like a handful, but I can't sit there and eat a whole bag. Well, before you know it, the bag's gone. The hand starts at the top, and yeah. then you, you're mindlessly wandering, and then all of a sudden it's it's scraping into the corner of the bag. And then you're not, <laughs> that's not good. All right, give us our, our number one number so we one. can get out of here. It's the obvious circus peanuts. Circus. There it is. I've never had right. a circus peanut, and yep. I'm so looking there you go. forward. You go, you go okay, first. Go. Yeah. Wow, these things are hard. Yeah, but they'll soften up in your mouth, so don't you worry. Yeah, you hear that? yeah, that's, yeah I think these are wood. past their expiration. I think this is wood filler. Is this wood filler? Oh, boy. Mm. Oh, that is awful. I can see why that's number one. Yes. Mm. It's, it's banana. This is diabolical. It's shaped like a peanut, colored like an orange, mm. and it tastes like a banana. Yeah. It's too much. You know what? Too many moving parts. If you give these out at Halloween, you'll never have to worry about trick-or-treaters coming by your no, house again. No, and these, by the way, were probably manufactured um, before you were born. Yes. But the, 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 the live-by date is, is good for another 50 years. Probably. Manufactured before 1999. Uh, mm. And, Brian, you had a bit of history with these uh, circus peanuts, didn't you? If it was not for circus peanuts, we would not have Lucky Charm cereal. The really? guy, yes, the guy worked for General Mills trying to come up with something to make the the oat cereal they had. And so he saw circus peanuts, and he said, hey, I'm going to chop these up in bits, throw them on his, his uh, Cheerios, <laughs> and ate that. And that's what became Lucky Charm Marshmallows. Well, how about that? I, yeah, how about that? I guess that's one way to improve circus peanuts. Well, you would think the folks at Circus Peanuts, you know, they would have thought, hey, it tastes better when it's a Lucky Charm. Maybe <laughs> yeah. we can refine our <laughs> disgusting flavor after a the while. the shapes. Well, that yeah. leprechaun just stole their marketing idea. You know what idea. they also are, are, are good for? They're like weapons, too. There you go. <laughs> you can put yeah, someone's eye out. <laughs> Take that circus pin. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, hopefully your trick-or-treating goes a little bit better. The daddy tax, always crucial. Get those Kit Kats. Get those Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah, get All that. right, so that'll do it. Hey, much thanks to our guests on today's program, Tristan Wirfs, Todd yes. Callis, and, of course, BK, Cato, and, of course, our production crew here as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to the No Off Days podcast. Remember, until the next time we're on, there are no off days.